They did a study of 300 world-class leaders. Now I'm talking about Roosevelt and Churchill. I'm talking about Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi. I'm talking about Clara Barton and Helen Keller and Mother Teresa, world-class leaders, 300 of them. 75% of them were either raised in poverty or had been abused as children or else had some serious physical impairment. But you see, point number four, they understood it's not what happens to you, it's how you handle what happens to you that is going to make the difference. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we hear a short message from Zig Ziggler with one of the stories Uh, that he cites that I reference over and over again. It focuses on a study of 300 top world leaders and the findings that 75% of them were raised in poverty or abused as children or had serious physical impairment. Well, what should we learn from this? Well, tune in and find out. That's what we talk about. Uh, And then from that question that Zig posed or, or, or from that message, I asked the question on Facebook, Have you had challenges in your life you now realize have benefited you, or at least the process of overcoming benefited you? Of course, amazing true life stories that Tom Ziegler and I talk through. So we'll kick off with Zig's message right after I share a couple great resources and offers for you. All right, well, here then I bring you this message from Zig Ziegler. Now, I don't need to tell you that as a tenth of 12 children, six of them being too young to work, heart of the Depression, small Mississippi town, we had a tough time financially in the Depression. Other families had it tough too. But I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, I did not choose to notice what we did not have. What I did notice is what a lot of people did have in that little town. See, even in those times, I noticed some people wore nice clothes. They drove nice cars. They lived in nice houses. They took nice trips. They even had dinner out. Some of them even played golf at the country club. You know what I've noticed in every decade of my life since, and this is the message I really want you to get right here. I've noticed that regardless of the economy, there are some people who don't pay any attention at all to it. As you well know, the media has accurately predicted 27 of the last two recessions. Now, there are some people who just don't pay any attention to what other people are doing. For example, I've noticed without exception that in some instances, many instances, when the economy is absolutely magnificent, there are a bunch of folks going broke. I have noticed that in some instances where the economy is absolutely horrible, there are a bunch of folks getting rich. How many of you have noticed exactly the same thing? Now, this is major point number two. Major point number one is you do have a choice. You can do something now about your life, making it either better or worse, and the choice is here. Number two is this. It is not what is going on out there. You see, a lot of that you cannot change. There's nothing you can do about Bosnia at this moment personally. There is something you can do about you and your future, and that's what I want to be talking about. It's not what happens out there that makes a difference in your life is what goes on between your own two ears. Now, that's what makes the difference. Neil Rudenstein is the president of Harvard University, and this is point number three. His mother is a part-time waitress. His father 
as a prison guard. See, it's not who your mama and your daddy might have been. It's not what they have done. The question is, what kind of legacy will you leave to your children and your grandchildren? It is what you do. Now, a lot of times we encounter people who have a, you know, a pity party on a regular basis. They have what we call the plum disease, P-L-O-M, that's poor little old me. And they, you know, the, the problem basically with pity parties when they have them is that very few people come and those who do don't bring presents. Now, let me, let me point out, they did a study of 300 world-class leaders. Now, I'm talking about Roosevelt and Churchill. I'm talking about Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi. I'm talking about Clara Barton and Helen Keller and Mother Teresa, world-class leaders, 300 of them. 75% of them were either raised in poverty or had been abused as children or else had some serious physical impairment. But you see, point number four, they understood it's not what happens to you, it's how you handle what happens to you that is going to make the difference. Well, a great message from Zig, as always. Again, from that message I asked on Facebook at my Agent K Miller page, where I invite you to friend me and join our weekly conversation, I asked the question, have you had challenges in your life you now realize have benefited you, or at least the process of overcoming benefited you? Here then, Tom Ziegler and I talk through your incredible Facebook comments. All right, Tom, we had some great responses, comments on Facebook with some, boy, some real life stuff. So I'll just dive in and, uh, and we'll, we'll comment on these. Jerry says, I was on the fast track to becoming a corporate executive when I was a casualty of office politics after my company was purchased. This initially was a huge blow to me, but looking back, I can see it was really a blessing. I discovered a more balanced lifestyle that included more family time. I learned to play piano and started writing books. I'm currently studying to be a counselor. And while many would say this shift in my life kept me from succeeding, I would argue that I discovered true success because of it. I mean, how many stories are there like that, Tom, where, I mean, I have my own, uh, as a professional cyclist and I had some things that I didn't do well and ultimately left that. And I'm so grateful. Um, not a whole lot of large families and successful marriages in professional cycling. And I'm glad I went a different way, but at the time, <laughs> at the time it felt bad. Uh, just like what Jerry's sharing here. I know it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the silver lining, the, the unexpected interruption in our life uh, when things don't work out. And then we discover a whole new life that we never would have had if we'd stayed in that, in that place that we thought was our track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that's common though, is that when you, you know, when you get knocked down there, there's a, a, a gentleman that I really enjoy listening to Dr. Willie Jolly. He says that a, a setback is just a setup uh, or is, a setback is a setup for a comeback. Nice. nice. And I love that phrase. And one of the things that we teach uh, at Ziegler is that when we do have that setback, and that's what life is about. It's about the unexpected setback, a loss of a job. Uh, a, a, you know, it could be an accident or a disease or a relationship or something that we just could not have planned for. What we've got to do is in advance of that, before that ever happens, we've got to plan how we're going to respond to that situation. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, then we can see the opportunity. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that it, it wasn't necessarily enjoyable or that that's the choice you would have made. 
But when we go into it with those eyes, hey, what else is there? What can I learn and what can I apply? Then that really sets the course for our future. Yeah, and I I saw that recently again from my parents, uh, Dan and Joanne Miller, who uh, are so keen on looking at something that looks like a setback and saying, what possibility does this present? What opportunity does this present? And just taking a different paradigm shift. Well, here's another one. Uh, Jonathan Payton, he said, 12 years ago, a divorce came at me literally out of nowhere. My entire life was turned upside down. My wife and I had a three-year-old that was the center of our lives. We ended up with split custody it was not the life trajectory I had imagined. I recall one afternoon after lunch, walking into church, sitting in a pew where I had been connected my entire life. I hung my head down, cried and prayed to God for help. It would be awesome at this point to tell everyone that I heard God's voice booming down from the heavens or Jesus materialized on the cross, but nothing of that sort, uh, sort happened. It was not, but if it was not spoken, it was, I was compelled to act. I knew I had to move forward and could not do so harboring resentment towards my son's mother in forgiveness. There's strength and hatred. There's weakness. Things didn't improve immediately. They took time to heal. Uh, God provided a path and hope. However, it was up to me to take action and remain deliberate and intentional in my efforts. 12 years later, I'm remarried. I would say that we are as close to a, to a cohesive extended family unit as you can get. Uh, based on my personal observations, I believe this is an exception, uh, not the rule. Too often people focus on their own feelings versus those of others. Uh, and he, and he also said that his son uh, now back from that three-year-old uh, John Thomas is a fan of Ziggler. So I wanted to make a shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Jonathan, for sharing that. That is significant. Again, Tom, how often do we have a, a predicament in life? And we re- we think, man, I never, never thought I would be here. This was, <laughs> yeah. Well, first off on that shout out, you know, my given name is John Thomas Ziggler. That so. is right. I forgot. So anytime somebody says their name is John Thomas, I know they're a winner right out of the gate. So that's, that's awesome. And, you know, dad had this quote, he said, your past is important, but, but not nearly as important as how you see your future. And I think especially in a divorce situation or even in a work situation where you have been disappointed uh, betrayed, you know, we can go to all different levels. What we have then is a choice to move forward. And that, and that choice is either going to let the bitterness, the resentment, the anger to grow or to take a step back and, and really understand that we've, we've got to make peace with our past. We've got to forgive, uh, those and including ourselves, because I don't, I can't tell you how many people, I meet who no fault of their own, something happened and yet they continue to blame themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if I hadn't done this, if I'd taken that job instead of this one, if I, whatever that circumstance is, we have to be in a position. We have to understand the criticalness of forgiving ourselves and forgiving the other person or people. In my experience, most of the time, uh, People just do the best they can and they make mistakes like the rest of us. Now, why is this so important? Why does this matter? Uh, this forgiveness, this idea of forgiveness and letting go and moving on. It's because your future's at stake. I think everybody listening would say right now that <laughs> I want the best future possible that I can have. 
And there's a there's a, a and I'll give an out an analogy in in different parts of the world. One day, one of the ways that they'll catch monkeys is they'll hollow out a little hole in a coconut big enough for the monkey to put their hand into the hole. And then they'll put a bright, shiny object inside the hole. And so the monkey will see that and they'll reach their hand in there. They'll grab a hold of that bright, shiny object, whatever it is. It could be a piece of food or something like that. And then now they've got this big coconut weighing them down. And the people who are trying to capture the monkey will will give chase. And because the monkey won't let go of what's in the coconut, they can't get away. And so I think a lot of people are kind of stuck in that situation where literally they've been wronged or blindsided or something's happened, but they're holding on to that bitterness, that resentment, that, that grief, whatever it is, and it's preventing them from fulfilling their potential. And so I always encourage people, if this is where you are in life, you need, you need to dig deep and figure out how to do that. Now, when you forgive yourself and you forgive someone else, it doesn't absolve them of what they did. It just releases you from the power that they have over you. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, absolutely. That I I don't know if I've ever really seen, because we, I mean, we know that bad things happen to good people. And we just, in the clip that everybody listened to prior to this discussion from your dad, Zig, and he talked about that study, the 300 world leaders were studied and uh, the the majority of them were from poverty. They were, uh, they were abused or they had a physical handicap. They were victims uh, and yet they did not allow that to, well, you mentioned blame, you know, if you're a victim, which we all are going to be victims at some point, if you haven't yet, you're going to be, uh, we're going to be a victim and we can then make that choice to blame ourselves or someone else and give our power away or just don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything more crippling. Well, here's another one, Peyton, uh, English. She says, Yes, I was pregnant at 15, had my daughter when I was 16. I decided to keep her instead of adoption, which I thought about for a long time. I knew I wouldn't have her dad around, and I knew it would be next impossible to finish school and be successful because of the statistics. But I was determined to finish school and go further in life. I changed to online school so I wouldn't fall behind. Then I ended up going back my senior year so I could graduate with my class. I graduated with honors, and now I'm about to graduate just one semester longer than usual from college and got invited to Phi Theta Kappa, a prestigious honor society for uh, technical colleges. Sometimes in the day-to-day, I'm just looking to go to bed without going insane. But over time, I've realized having my daughter made me a hundred times stronger and determined than I was before. I've been forced to grow and change and learn to better myself every day. I really am not sure where I would be otherwise. You know, that, that last statement, where I would be otherwise, how often do the people who overcome that big thing? Now, we know that for, for every one of Peyton, there's a bunch of others that did not overcome that. And yet here she is, and she's saying, I don't know what I would be, where I would be otherwise. You know, we recently, uh, I don't think it's even come out yet. We did a second interview with John O'Leary, and that was one of the statements that he made that was uh, always uh, really just, I hate to use the word, but it almost haunted me a, a little bit when he was asked that question. If you had to do it all over again, you know, would you hope that you didn't blow yourself up in the garage and burn your entire body? And he says, no, I would have it happen just the way it did. Uh, that's difficult. 
That's a difficult place. I mean, that's, that's hard for us because we don't sit around going, Hey God, burn me up today. All right. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I, you know, I look at some of the things that have happened to me, nothing on that magnitude, but I'm kind of like, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, but yet then I look back and I think, well, would I, if it, if, if I knew how it would have changed my life, would I change who I'm married to or the daughter I have or the business that I'm in or the path that I'm on? Well, absolutely not. I wouldn't change any of that. So if that's the context, then I think we can accept it. There's actually a story in the book Born to Win. And the story goes like this. They interviewed a, uh, a successful man and they said, uh, these, they said uh, uh, you know, why are you successful? And he's because this guy owned a company, had like 100 employees. He was a multimillionaire. He did all these things. And he gave all the credit to his father. And then they asked another man and they said, you know, you're in prison. Why are you in prison? And he said, well, I give all the the blame to my father. Now, here's the interesting thing. They were identical twins and they had the same father and the father was Mm -hmm. an abusive alcoholic. And so the one brother said, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. I can make different choices. This isn't any fun. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. This isn't right. I would pick a different path, but I'm going to take responsibility for my choice. And the second brother was like, he always had a reason, an excuse to to do what he did. Well, I'm supposed to be this way. Look at my father. I'm his son. And that's what a son of an abusive alcoholic would do. They would end up in prison. But here's what I want every listener to hear is no matter the situation, one of the things that I love is that we all have that choice. We all have the choice to say, stop it, to say, you know what? I'm not going to go down that path. Yeah, this isn't fair. This isn't right. This isn't what I'd hoped for. I didn't mean to have that accident. I didn't mean to be railroaded out of that business. I didn't mean to be taken advantage of by a partner. But I have a choice that's going to impact the rest of my life. Well, what is that choice? Well, I want the best of the rest of my life. So what are a series of small choices that I can make starting right now that will change my trajectory? And really, that's the secret of my dad, Zig Ziglar, and the Ziglar philosophy is we believe that hope comes, it rises out of that understanding at the foundational level that we all have the choice to do something that will make us better right now. We can we can take a little walk. We can drink some water. We can read something inspirational. We can send a kind text to somebody we care about. All of those little bitty choices elevate us. And when we make a series of little bitty good choices, we've now created a habit. And l- successful lives are built on the right habits. And so for the the, the young girl who decided to keep her child and raise in in spite of, you know, that is just an awesome story because she looked at it and said, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to approach it this way anyway. I don't care if it's hard. I don't care if it's as easy as everybody else has, but for me, I'm going to make these choices. What a, what a testimonial that is. That's incredible. Hey dude, what you said just about habits, which we talk about, I, I got to make a call out to Ed DeCosta. I just interviewed Ed And he made a statement, uh, it was, we create our habits and they create us. 
I, I really like that. I like that, that perspective. You know, you mentioned the word choice over and over and over and what you just said, Tom, and you know, a lot of these issues. And when we talk about being born with a handicapped or in poverty or abused, that is a true victim issue to overcome. But how many of us, I have to say in my life, very few of the uh, big challenges in my life was I really a victim. They were things that I, in, in, in every sense chose, they were avoidable mistakes. And yeah, going back, gosh, do I wish they would have happened? No, I I have regret for most of them, Uh, but they were redeemed. And from that redemption, I have incredible strength that I'm very grateful for. So again, I've been to make a black and white statement. Do you wish, would you, would you wish that on yourself again? Um, you know, it's, I think that's it. The point, it's probably not a black and white. So as folks are contemplating the challenges, the things that you were a victim to the bad choices that you made, uh, it's going to be different. Maybe you're grateful for where you are today because of them. I think within that, it's still, I'm I'm not a no regrets person, Tom. I, I have plenty and I, I know I will continue. I don't beat myself up with them, but, uh, and I'm grateful for my father in heaven and grateful for redemption. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Hey, here's uh, let's see, Patricia Alton. She says a decade of fighting to overcome eating disorders, depression, and anxiety provided me with knowledge, awareness, and understanding of mental and physical health. Uh, psychology and relationships that has benefited me in countless ways. At the time, everything I learned was just another desperate attempt to challenge my irrational thoughts and actions. I could never have known or imagined that it was also providing me with unique skills and a clear direction for my life's purpose. I appreciate that dark and thorny path because uh, although it was filled with challenges, the skills I gathered to make it through have strengthened and shaped the person I am today. You know, I don't know. She didn't say, I don't know if she works in that arena now, but uh, Tom, you know, I work heavily in the, in the health and wellness industry. And it's amazing how many from doctors to different providers, counselors are people that are there because of their own experience. They walked through this dark path. It's, it's no different than the person who you know lost a hundred pounds. And now they are the weight loss trainer or the nutritionist or something like that, that we love to take those things that uh, could have overcome us. And when we were able to overcome them, we want to, I mean, you see this every day. I'm sure Tom people are, I mean, they could not be more passionate about delivering that thing that they experienced. Absolutely. And I, and I call this your, this is your superpower. The, the thing that gives you the most influence and above anything else in your life is your identity. And your identity is really magnified when you can accept it, learn from it, grow from it and be transparent enough to share it with other people. So an expert who comes in and they're a nutritional expert and they're a scientist and they got the PhD and they say, Hey, from an intellectual perspective, uh, this is how you handle eating disorders. They don't have the near the connection mm-hmm. of somebody who says, man, I was on a dark and thorny path. I love that. I, I love that. Uh, yeah. The words that, that she used there. Uh, and I had to dig in deep and grapple with some some issues. And this is what I learned. And if you're on this road you know, let me, let me come up beside you, right? Not above you, not below you, but beside you and just share with you some of the things I learned that helped me. Because, yeah. because a lot of times people who are trapped 
uh, they will not take advice until they feel that connection that only comes with a fellow sojourner on the path that's dark and thorny, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it's that it's that path of, of you know, the, of the suffering or whatever you want to call it. That was really, so many people say, well, what's Zig Ziglar's secret? How did he get so many people to follow him? It's because he shared a story of his heartbreak and his failures as he got started. He didn't do well in school, didn't do well in business. He had a very, very bad self-image. He had to overcome all of that. And most of us identify with that at some point in our life. That's why people say, you know what? Zig's message changed my life because he's a little bit like me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, hey, I'm going to do something a little different uh, here. Tom, you're involved in some Ziggler Legacy Certification uh, event there at the, at, the, at the office right now and are going to beg off. I'm going to read a couple more even after as you drop off. But before you do, speaking of Zig, yeah, shameless promotion here, folks, Ziggler Legacy Certification. Uh, go to Zig, ZiglarShow.com slash ZLC. But uh, one of our one of your star folks there, James Durham, right? Oh, yeah. He posted in here, but instead of reading anything, I'm going to let you do a quick storytelling of a challenge he had and overcame. And now today is an on fire Ziggler representative. So James is one of the people in life that inspire me. Uh, he, as a young man, I think he was 19. Um, he had a car versus motorcycle accident. That, those he don't was, come out well. No, he was on the motorcycle. Uh, it threw him into the air. He was on the second story of a, of a highway and he hit a signpost about 10 feet up in the air, which saved his life because he would have been thrown onto the freeway below if he hadn't hit that signpost. He suffered a traumatic brain injury. Uh, he actually died and he has an amazing story. And so out of that, his life was changed forever. The for those of you familiar with TBI, tra- traumatic brain injuries, there's all levels. And uh, he was impacted in a major way. He is now the most positive, optimistic, encouraging human being that I know on the planet. And he has a nonprofit called TBI One Love, where he actually reaches out and encourages and gives uh, education and information to people who've suffered TBIs and their families. He came through our certification. And when he came through, I knew he was just a, a perfect fit because in our Ziggler Legacy certification, we give you the life-changing material that we know works because millions of lives have been changed by it. We give it to you to go and teach others to help them lift up and be more and transform. But, but Kevin, this topic is so perfect because mm-hmm. it really comes to life when you add your own story mm-hmm. to the Ziggler material. And so many people come through our certification and they think, golly, you know, this is, I get to represent Ziggler. I get to carry this brand. I get to carry this information. I don't know if I'm good enough or qualified enough. And then they come through and they graduate and they realize, wait a second, I've had this potential inside of me the whole time. I've, you know, God gave me this and it's my story that I'm uncomfortable with telling or owning that is going to change the most lives at all. And so what happens is people come through and they transform, they own their story and they realize that there are people everywhere they go that need to hear their story. 
because their story put together in this way changes other people's lives. And at the end of the day, the greatest joy in life is when you help someone else be, do, or have more. So that's why I love James. He's an encouragement to me because he's taking what we've equipped with him and he's, he's doing a 10 X on it. I mean, he is changing other lives, people that I could never speak to. I, I don't relate to somebody who's had that type of an injury, but James does. And James relates to us. So he's able to take this and impact literally dozens and dozens, dozens and hundreds of people because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Folks. Yeah. And again, uh, zigshow.com slash ZLC, one of the most life changing things you will ever do. Well, Tom, I know you've got to jump off. I've got three more speaking of sharing people's stories. I just want to read a few more, uh, with folks so that you get to benefit from a few more stories that were posted, uh, on Facebook, Tom. Hey man, go, go knock them out. What a pleasure. We've got a big day today and, and uh, as always, but boy, the schedule's been tight. I'm just glad I got to come in and share for a moment and we'll see everybody next time. All right, brother. Well, hey, Marvin Pennick here. He says, uh, to make ends meet financially, I took a paper route of a hundred miles starting at 3 a.m. I was mad until I heard the Ziegler podcast on about automobile university. Four hours a day, seven days a week. I'm getting paid to learn. Well worth a 2 a.m. alarm time. Now, folks, as you hear that, and maybe it sounds kind of Pollyanna uh, to you, but think about it for real. He is getting paid to do something he'd rather not do, but he is educating himself during that time. If you don't know the term automobile university, Zig Ziglar made that famous by saying the time that you are commuting in your car every day. For those of you that do, though, you could take this to whatever, if you're a cyclist or a, or a runner or whatever, you've got time where instead of listening to a music or listening to nothing or, or whatnot, you can uh, learn about anything. If you will take that time for your own education and it is profound how many people talk about where they are today is because of a resource they got a hold of and they didn't just go through it. They studied it. They took it. They used it every single day and it changed the trajectory of their lives. I would not be surprised Marvin, if you look back as that's one of the most rich times of your life. And again, I hear so many stories like that and I'll use you as an example that yeah, paper route. I started using it to educate myself and I went from that. I did X, Y, Z. And then there's the following success story. Uh, sometimes those hard places that we are in are the catalyst. So often they are the catalyst. can be, let's say that they can be the catalyst for something massive. Cause obviously for every great story we hear about a hardship that somebody overcame and benefited from ultimately for every story there, there are way too many where that incident, that circumstance overcame some people. And we have a sea of people out here who, uh, who did not. So that's why we're here. We're, this is the overcoming crowd, right? Uh, Tim Dagley says he was born with birth defects that impacted him all through childhood and young adult life. It took many years for God to show me, help me understand the why me Lord that I could use that for another person who was in their why me moment. And so my misery became my ministry. Again, just so similar to what we just talked about in regards to uh, Patricia, who shared a minute ago that she went through this thing and now she is able to understand so in depth of what somebody else is going through as well. So you had to think about that, folks. What's the thing that you have been a victim of or you've made a bad choice? Is that something is there is your superpower, as Tom said, 
Could it possibly be within that? You know, I do a lot of business consulting, have most of my life, and I feel like my best offerings are coaching and consulting uh, from the areas of business that I failed miserably in. As Tim said, my misery became my ministry. I guess I could say that for myself as well. Mike Glancy here. I got one more for you. He says, I loved my dad so much from the time I was nine years old. My only plan uh, was to get my degree and go into business with my dad. I graduated high school early, got a jump on college. My first semester in college, my dad died with a heart attack. That's 45 years ago yesterday. Going through life without the love, safety net, and mentoring available from a father was a major hurdle to overcome. Looking back over the years, this tragedy helped me with the confidence in life that I see many people missing. I had to do everything on my own. The help of Jesus and my desire and a good attitude to do good pulled me through. I still seek answers to life and look for ways to improve. I guess that's why I love the Ziegler family, the podcast, and uh, Live to Win so much. He's talking about the Live to Win uh, series. You can find that at Ziegler.com as well. Uh, Man, that is significant. You know, to speak to that, again, when we look at this quote that Zig said about the study that was done on the 300 world leaders and that they had the majority, 75% had these significant hardships. Uh, And then obviously that was the focal point here. And we hear these people, we obviously don't wish hardship on ourselves, but I do want to point something out. And I've talked with my children about that. All of us, and I'll speak to, well, the concept of parenting We experience things for the most part, you become a parent and you think I want to shield my kid from X, Y, Z, from those hardships. And and we can't change that. Who, I mean, who's going to say the opposite and say, no, I'm going to give my kid a really hard time so that they'll be strong. Uh, we don't want to do that. We're going to do our best for them, but I've talked with my kids and said, you know, you guys can take the, the solidness, the encouragement, the support, the love that we give you guys and go forward and do amazing things. And it is your responsibility to take those gifts and talents and abilities and love and go take those and multiply your talents to use the biblical analogy It is your responsibility to go do something big, to take risks, to do things that are outside of your comfort zones, to pursue a a big calling. We're talking to them, but also saying you're their big, one of their biggest risks is that they have not had a super challenge. Uh, hopefully they won't. I'm, I'm not wishing, you know, I've had one son who has, he's had some medical issues. That's part of his story and it's made his life more difficult. Um, but I'm already seeing him benefit from that. But, uh, as we look out at the culture and this may speak to a lot of you guys who don't have some big significant thing that happened to you that you had to overcome. And now you have this great big story. You don't have to, but I would say that's a risk because you've never known something super super difficult that you uh, had to overcome, that that's a risk that you need to look and go, gosh, I don't have that. I'm going to have to find some hard motivation somewhere else. I'm going to have to dig deep. And uh, that's where we usually get into looking at goals and looking at what you want to achieve, what you want to look back from the, from the deathbed and be proud of and really get us going. So there's a lot of people in this personal development world, a lot of people who listen and listen and they have hope and they, they try to get inspired, but they just don't ever quite pull the trigger because there's nothing that acute uh, to push them that way. And to risk their comfort zone is difficult. I don't want you to feel bad if that's you, but just to realize that that's, that may be your handicap right there uh, that you're going to have to get on the table and deal with. 
Okay, friends, some of you, I'm sure, were greatly affirmed in the trials that you have overcome. And some of you might now be very convicted, take a different look at your trials and aspire to overcome them and let them become a strength instead of a weakness. Well, hey, we are here for you on both accounts. If you got value from the show, will you please let Tom and I know, leave a review in iTunes, then email us at thanks at ZigglerShow.com. Tell us your iTunes username so we can thank you by sending you Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar's book, Born to Win, an actual hard copy. Well, I'll tell you what you can look forward to on our next show after giving you a great resource and offer. Well, coming up next in show 575, we talk about perfect timing, literally when the best time is to do certain daily activities. When is the best time to have certain types of conversations? When's the best time to do just about anything from exercise to sleeping and on and on? It's amazing and comes from the research of our guest, highly acclaimed author, Dan Pink, Daniel Pink. He's the author of six provocative books, including his newest, this one that we talk about some, When, it's called When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. His other books include the long-running New York Times bestseller, A Whole New Mind, and the number one New York Times bestsellers, Drive and To Sell is Human. These types of messages are just really so intriguing because it's, it's really research and in that sense, somewhat irrefutable, and we can reorient our lives around the information right away for immediate success. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.